All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity as always to gather, to sing your praises, to hear about what you're doing in the life of your people called the church. Not just as we gather on Sundays and Thursdays, but on Wednesdays and kids and students and as we live life on mission in our communities. God, it's just amazing to hear what you're doing. And God, I pray that we never get over the fact that you have chosen to do it through us, to not only come and live in us and save us, but God, then to allow us to be a part of your mission in this world and work through us the way that you do. God, it's just so amazing to me, and I I never want us to forget to always remain mindful that you are working in us and through us and for us. And as we're going to see in the text today, God, you have goals in mind for us. And you're going to give us the grace that we need to reach those goals. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to work in us. As we've talked over the last several weeks, God, we ask your Holy Spirit to help us. God, we know there are people here today or watching online that have never trusted in Jesus. So God, would you open their eyes and their ears to see and to hear the truth. Those of us who you have, God, we ask that you would continue to work in us, to strengthen us, help us to obey you. And God has always helped me to preach this in a way that honors you and is helpful to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 15. We were hanging out in John chapter 14 for quite some time, and today we are in chapter 15. We're getting into uh, one of the chapters that we have talked a lot around here. In fact, um, the, the, ch- the title of today's message is called Abide in Me. And if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, you know that we have a season at the beginning of every year, a 21-day season of prayer and fasting that we call Abide. And so I've taught on this text many times. In fact, when I was first laying out this scripture, I thought, man, if, I could, if we could just get to John 15 in January, that would be amazing. Um, but I, just you know, the way it worked out, it didn't. And so when we get to that point in time, we'll reference this again. But I thought, this is a good time to, for a refresher. You know, It's like doing Christmas in July, if you will. And I don't know how much you're into that or not into that, but it's, it's, it's a good reminder of what's coming. And so if you were a part of our church at the beginning of this year, we had the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And in January next year, we'll do it again. We strategically position it in between the national championship game and Super Bowl, all right? And so it's a good time of repentance uh, during that season because fasting on those two days, we have found it just is untenable for us. Uh, and so there's a good 21-day stretch in between those two games. But it's a, it's a time at the beginning of every year where we focus in on the one thing that can change everything. The one thing that can change everything, and that is abiding in Jesus. And that is what this text is about in John chapter 15. We're just gonna do verses one through eight today. But in these verses, there's kind of two headings, if you will, or two sections that I want to highlight for you, because if you'll understand these two sections or kind of the flow of these eight verses, I think it can be incredibly helpful. And I know I say this almost every week that this could be so helpful, but I just believe it because the word of God is so helpful. It never returns void. It it does something in us. And so our goal every week is not just to preach the word to you, but to do it in a way that is helpful because we want it to be helpful. And so I'm gonna give you an outline. If you're a note taker, you're probably gonna like today's message. Sometimes I have a lot of points, sometimes I don't. It doesn't mean the sermon is pointless, all right? But it just means that sometimes it just kind of comes out. And today you'll have multiple points with an outline. So if you're that type of person, this is your type of message, all right? So here's the outline. Verses, I have this on the screen. Verses one through three, and this will make sense later, is about position. It's about position. And verses four through eight is about practice. So position and practice, all right? So let's jump in verses one through three, and I'll explain to you what I mean mean by those two words. 
Jesus says, John 15, one through three, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse three, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So in introducing this metaphor, and it is a metaphor, it's an extended metaphor. And, and I like metaphors. It's not necessarily a parable. Jesus spoke in those as well, but it's, he's speaking metaphorically here to give us understanding. And anytime you're using a metaphor, you're using a, a kind of a real world example of something that you already understand to apply to something that's abstract that you may not understand. And so Jesus is speaking metaphorically here using a language that we get, that we understand, that's kind of common um, to explain how this relationship with him and the Father works. And the primary thing that he says here is we all have a position. And this is why I was saying verses one through three is about position. We all have a position or a role, if you will. And he clarifies. First, he says about himself that he is the vine. And this is the last of the seven I am statements that Jesus talks about in the Gospel of John. And this is honestly my favorite one. And I don't know if it has to do with food or grapes, and I just like grapes, and I like grape jelly, right? Uh, I like wine. I don't know if that's what it's about. But I think, honestly, uh, and again, that might be a subconscious thing, but I think, honestly, the reason why I like this one is because, one, I can understand it, and two, it relates so closely to our mission as a church. I don't know if you've ever heard of our mission, but if you've been around, you probably have. Love Jesus, grow people. Well, that phrase, grow, is an acronym. It's a process, gospel relationships, obedience, works, and it's very agricultural in nature because the Bible speaks very agriculturally. And so I think the reason why I love this metaphor is it just fits so perfectly with our mission as a church that it helps me understand about not only pastoring, but how God is involved in this process of pastoring. Because Jesus is explaining the positions or the roles. And so he, again, last of the I am statements, which I've told you this before, that is Jesus claiming to be God. You need to understand that. It's picking up from Moses in the Exodus when Moses asked God, who is it that sent me? Should I say sent me? And God said, tell him I am sent you. Well, who are you? Yes, right? That's the point. So he just is. He is the isness that everyone else got their isness from, all right? He's the is that you got your being. He's the being that you got your being from. Life comes from life. So he is that. But then Jesus puts a descriptor on it. He says, I am the vine. Another way that you can think about that is the source. He's the source. Again, Jesus is using this agricultural metaphor to explain how this relationship works. So he's the vine. He's the one through whom life comes. In fact, that's what the gospel of John is all about. We've said it many times, John chapter 20. John said, I wrote this so that you might believe that Jesus is the son of God and in believing have life in his name. So John just got that from Jesus because Jesus saying he's divine is explaining that he's the life. Now, it doesn't outright say you are the branches in these first three verses, although it will say it later, but it's implied. So he's the vine, he's the source, we are the branches, which by definition means we are not the source, we are the receivers. All right, so watch this. Jesus is the giver, we are the receiver. The branch doesn't produce anything on its own. Doesn't produce anything. The branch, and we'll tease this out more when we get into verse four and five, and I'll explain how it works. But again, you just need to understand position. We just receive the life from the vine. 
But then Jesus, in a unique way, and he doesn't do this in the other I am statements, which again, I think this is why this is his greatest one. He extends the metaphor to explain also the role of his father. So he's the vine, we're the branches, but then his father exists outside of that as the vine dresser. Now, this word vine dresser can mean, um, basically what it means is gardener. What's very interesting to me, and again, you know I love words if you've been around here. This is super cool to me. It's the Greek word, Georgios, and that's how, wouldn't, wouldn't be how you would say it in Greek, but you know, just bringing it over into redneck English, that's how it is. Georgios, which is where we get our English word, the name George. Now, here's what's even cooler. I don't know how much you know about the history of our state, Georgia, but it was named after King George when it was settled, and it was named Georgia because Georgia is the feminine version of the name George. Well, guess where we got the English word Georgia and George from? This Greek word. You didn't know that Georgia was biblical, did you? Which is why God loves this state so much. The word Georgia means agriculture. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. I'm from Texas originally, all right? So I'm a transplant here, but I planted my roots here, so I'm all into the soil here, all right? I'm into the people. But here's what's cool to me. This idea of vine dresser is he's, it's like a title, He's George. And what does he care about the most? Georgia. The feminine version of the name. What does the Bible call the church so often? The bride of Christ. The bride. Feminine. Jesus is the groom. And what do we call A person who takes care of the ground or the trees, it's an art. It's called husbandry. Do you know that? Husbandry. So the whole concept of husbandry comes out of the idea of the care that a husband is supposed to have for his wife And watch this, this is what God told the very first man to cultivate the soil and the relationship. So the man's role in imaging the father is to cultivate the soil, to cultivate, we we talk about relationships a lot here, talking about relational roots This is why we want you to join a team. This is why we want you to join a group. We just had a group leader vision meeting. We're hoping a bunch of groups will launch out and we want you to get into a group because relationships are so important. Why? Because it's in the context of those relationships that you grow. Why? Because the father, watch this, cares about the vine and the branches. The father cares about them. And if you just want to understand how hard the father is working, go look up the job description of a vine dresser. I did that. Which if I didn't have to preach this, I probably wouldn't have done that because it's not like I think of vine dressers every day. But go look up the job description. They have to work almost 24 hours a day to bring about the fruit from the vine and the branches. Why am I talking about all this? Not just because it geeked me out that our name as a state, Georgia, comes from this, but what geeked me out about it is the Father cares about us that much. He cares about us that much, watch this, to get his hands dirty into the mess of our lives 
to make sure that the branches are staying connected to the vine. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He's a great God. And there's two things that he does, Jesus says. One is he takes away every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Now, this is a metaphor, so we can't extend the metaphor too much. And what I mean by that is this. I do not think what Jesus is saying here is that there are branches that were once saved that are now not saved and God has taken them away as though you can lose your salvation. I don't think that was, is what Jesus is saying here. So again, you have, to, you have to be careful to read into the metaphor too much and try to make it say something that Jesus isn't intending for it to say because we know from other verses that's simply not true. But here's what we can know. We don't know exactly what you know, every branch in me means. But here's what we can know. The deciding factor on how the branch gets cut is the presence of fruit. The presence of fruit. Because he says those with no fruit, he cuts off and takes them away. Now in verse 6, he'll explain that more in just a second. And I'll I'll give you a little bit more on what I think he's getting at. But then he says, those that do bear fruit, he doesn't cut away, he cuts back. So here's a principle you need to know. In fact, if you're taking notes, here's your first one. Every branch is cut. Every branch. Either cut off or cut back. Every branch is cut. It's either cut off, no fruit, or it's cut back because there was fruit. Now, why am I stressing this? Here's what you need to know. Your father, a different King George, the king of all kings, he is so intimately involved in your relationship with Jesus that he will cut you. And the reason why that's so important to understand is because if you're just the branch and the father walks in and he starts cutting on you, does that feel very good? Yes or no? No, thank you. I was just making sure you're alive, all right? Because some of you are like, oh, I love it when he cuts me. Well, you're weird. You need to talk to somebody about that. You see, here's what I have come to realize now after almost three decades of following Jesus. When the branch gets cut, it doesn't know whether it's getting cut off or cut back because it feels the same. It feels the same. Every child who's been disciplined by their parents feels like in that moment that their parents hate them. But according to Hebrews 12... It's actually the presence of discipline that proves you are a child. Because I don't discipline kids that aren't mine. And I don't want you to discipline kids that aren't yours, i.e. my kids. I got it. But you ask my kids if I discipline them. Be like, oh yeah. Sometimes we think he hates us. But that's because nobody likes being cut. Nobody likes being hurt. But God is not into growth at all cost. You see, sometimes when we're trying to grow, we're trying to stay connected to the vine, there's other habits that grow along with it. We're just growing as individuals And some of it's good fruit, and some of it's not so good fruit. But check this, even the fruit that's good, he cuts it back because he wants more good fruit. And the fruit that's not good, he cuts off. But you're sitting here thinking, well, you cut off the good fruit, you also cut off the bad fruit. What the heck are you doing? And watch this. So sometimes... You get disciplined by the Father 
when all you did was obey. But we don't have categories for that, do we? It doesn't feel right to us. But if you don't have a category for that, you will misunderstand the Father's love for you. Let me say it to you like this. You will misunderstand your position. Because what right does the branch have to speak to the vine dresser that he doesn't know what he's doing? But we do this all the time with God, don't we? Just the other day, I was clearing some land and I was moving a bunch of branches and limbs that were no longer a part of the tree and they were dead, decaying, dead. I was wanting to plant some new stuff and so I had to move out all the old stuff and man, it was hard work. I love being in the dirt. I love playing in the dirt. I love hunting things that live on the dirt. I love eating things that were raised in the dirt. But that's hard work. And I can only imagine if the branch could talk back to me. Like, I like it here. What are you doing? It's like, well, you're getting in the way of future growth. And do you understand how unloving it would be for me as a land cultivator to leave unproducing branches on something that blocked future growth? See, we don't have a right to speak back to the Father as though the branch knows better. It doesn't. So watch this. If you're going to grow, you have to first understand your position. You're the branch. You're not the vine, and you're not the vine dresser. And the second thing you need to understand is practice. Look at verse four. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless, unless you abide in me. Now I want you to see this. He just said in verse two that the presence of fruit is what determines how the father cuts. The presence of fruit. No fruit cuts off, fruit cuts back. So don't you think bearing fruit should become our number one priority? Like I want to bear fruit because I don't want to be cut off. But then you would misunderstand, watch, not only your position, you would misunderstand the practice that Jesus is asking you to do. Here's what's crazy to me. Even though it's the presence of fruit that determines the father's cutting, Jesus doesn't command us to bear fruit. He doesn't command us to bear fruit. In fact, the command in this text is the phrase in verse four, which is why it's our title, abide in me. Abide in me. And it is a command. I tell you this often, it's in the imperative mood. And so what that means is Jesus saying, this is a command. This is what you should do. But here's the good news. And I want you to see this as good news. In fact, if you're taking notes, here's your second point. We can't bear fruit, but we can abide. We can't bear fruit, but we can abide. In verse four, Jesus said, abide in me. Just like the branch can't bear fruit by itself. Neither can you. Those dead branches that I picked up, the problem with them was not that they couldn't bear fruit. That's not why they were dead. They were dead because they were disconnected. That's the only reason why. And this is where I think a lot of us get so frustrated with our lack of growth because we have, watch this, been doing the wrong practice. 
I think we get so frustrated. In fact, I, I think I get so frustrated. I don't think, I know. Let me, let me say it to you like this. My birthday's in eight days, just in case you forgot, okay? September 12th, it's coming up, mark it down. <clears throat> I like cash, <laughs> all right? But I'll be 44 in eight days. And I thought when I was 14 that 44-year-olds were so mature. I mean, they were close to death, right? So they had better be mature. I thought that 44-year-olds knew about life and godliness, as 1 Peter says. I thought they were so smart. I mean, I remember thinking, as a 14-year-old, and that was, I'd only been a believer for a couple years. I was very new to this whole faith thing, very new to this whole church thing. And I remember looking at my parents and thinking they were so smart. And I'm not saying they weren't smart, but here's what I am saying. I thought I'd be a lot more mature at 44. Anybody else with me on that one? Yeah. I thought I'd be way further along by now. And sometimes what I wrestle with the most is things are still funny to me just like they were when I was 14, <laughs> right? There's a certain immaturity that still exists within me, a certain obstinance that still exists within me. And here's why I think we get so frustrated in our growth. It's because we're trying to bear fruit. But God never asked us to do that. What's interesting about this word bear fruit, it means to bring forth. And the word fruit, again, metaphorically speaking, is results. Results. And everything in this world is determined by ROI, isn't it? Return on what? Investment. You want results, don't you? You want results in your 401k? You want results in your marriage. You want results in your life. You want results when you step on the scale. You want, you want a return of investment. Because what's interesting, to bear means to bring about results. To bear fruit means to bring about results. But you want to know why God didn't command us to do that? Watch this. Because we can't bear it. You see, to bear something means to pick it up and carry it, right? It's, it's like lifting weights. It's being up underneath weight, and I'm bearing this load. You want to know why so many of us are so exhausted? Because we're carrying weight we were never meant to carry. We're bearing the results of everything. The results of our marriage, the results of our kids, the results of our jobs, the results of the market, the results of our country. We're bearing all of that. But God never commanded you to do that. No wonder we're so exhausted. What did he command us to do? Remain in him. This is why this is the best growth strategy on the planet. Let me give it to you metaphorically. Here's what Jesus just said. All you gotta do is show up to the gym. You just show up. You just stay connected to the gym. And when you get there, you don't have to lift any weights. You don't have to run any treadmills. You don't have to swim any pools. And you'll grow. Who wouldn't sign up for that gym membership? Right? Come on, somebody. Yeah. You're like, bro, I've been praying for that my whole life. And every January, I try it for like 26 days. That's why the, the gym is so slammed in January. Here's what's crazy. Jesus said, again, metaphorically speaking, I'm saying Jesus is the gym. All we gotta do is stay connected to Jesus. Abide, see the word abide means to remain. 
All we got to do is remain in him. And then he said, he will grow the fruit in us. Why? Because he can bear that weight. See, the reason why you and I get so frustrated in our lack of growth is because we go after it directly. Again, I use this example all the time. You cannot get patience by going after patience. Have you realized that? You cannot get peace by going after peace. We talked about peace last week. Because peace is a fruit, watch this, a result of someone else that someone else is the Holy Spirit. This is why he didn't call him fruit of self. In fact, if you want to know what the fruit of self is, self, go look at Galatians 5 before the fruit of the Spirit, and he tells you, ain't none of it good. This is what you brought about. But if you just stay connected to me, this is what I'll bring about. I'll bring about love in your life. I'll bring about peace. I'll bring about patience. I'll bring about kindness. I'll bring about goodness. I'll bring about gentleness. I'll bring about faithfulness. I'll bring about self-control. See, we don't get self-control by exercising our self-control. We get self-control by connecting to Jesus as the vine is, as the branch connects to the vine, then the life of Jesus flows through the branch and lo and behold, there's the fruit of self-control. See, you and I can't bear fruit, but we can abide. Look at what he says in verse five. Just to clarify again the positions, I am the vine. You are the branches. This is him saying, like I said earlier, he was implying it, now he's saying it explicitly. He's the vine, we are the branches. Watch this, whoever abides in him. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what's that next word there? Nothing. Nothing. And you know what that word means, right? Nothing. Yes. The, the, what I love about that word, uh, we could break it out. No thing. But you know what some of us do? In fact, what a lot of us do? What do you mean I can't do nothing? What do you, I, I can do something. No, you can do nothing. See, I think a lot of us believe, if we're Christians, we know we can't save ourselves. We know we can't get ourselves into heaven. But we think we can grow ourselves. We think we can change ourselves. And Jesus says, nope, you can't do that neither. You can't do nothing, man. Nothing. But if you'll hang with me, I'll empower you to do everything. I'll grow so much fruit in your life. Last point, you might wanna write this down. So bearing fruit comes down to two, these two things. Bearing fruit is about position and practice. It's about position and practice. See, watch this. The position that you play determines the practice that you do. That would have been a great point, but I just thought of it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, I don't know if you've ever played sports, but the practice that you do is determined by the position that you play. And the reason why so many of us are practicing the wrong things, trying to bear fruit, is because we misunderstand our position. We think we're the vine. You ain't the vine. You're the branch. And all those dead branches that I picked up the other day, you know how crazy it would be for me to pick up that branch and be like, branch, what's wrong with you? Grow fruit. This is the stuff I think about, okay? <laughs> but it's all for you. It's ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper. It is crazy. I talked about being street last week, so I'm trying to bring you along. All right, slowly, slowly. We'll get there. 
It's crazy for the branch to think it can do anything by itself. And it's just as crazy for us to think that we can do anything by ourselves. But here's the good news. He didn't ask you to. So here's what we have to think about. What are the things that I can do to stay connected to Jesus? This is why in our abide season every year, we focus on some core spiritual disciplines like reading the word, fasting, and praying. Because those three things, along with solitude, silence, and that's what we mean by fasting, is like cutting away other things, keep me connected to Jesus. And watch this. I don't know if you've realized this yet, but what is the hardest thing in the world to incorporate into your life? I would say five minutes of silence with Jesus. That's hard, isn't it? You're like, after five minutes, I done prayed for everything. The trees, the birds. That's all I got. What if for those five minutes you didn't say anything? And is it any wonder that the ruler of this world, we talked about last week, the RK of this world, has cultivated a lifestyle for all of us that is described by the worst four-letter word out there? You didn't think this was a cuss word, but it is. And I want us to stop saying it. B-U-S-Y, busy. How are you? I'm bound and determined never to answer someone busy ever again. And we wear busyness like a badge of honor. You wanna know if I was the ruler of this world, what the one thing that I would convince every branch to believe? It's that they're too busy to stay connected to the vine. Too busy. And we got so many dead gum apps on our phones. And I gotta be honest with you, and I'm gonna say some stuff here, and you may not like it, and that's okay. My, my kids don't like me either when I discipline them. But I don't understand y'all who got all those social media apps on your phone, and then you got the dead gum notifications turned on. to when every time somebody posts something about their cat or their food, you get notified. Like that stinking matters. I don't have a, and I, don't hear me saying I'm better than you. I'm worse than you, which is why I don't have them on my phone. See, there's one meaning in every text. There's a thousand applications. I hope some of y'all go home and turn off those daggum notifications and take them off your phone because it's killing you. That ain't nothing but the branch being busy and not staying connected to the vine. No wonder you're so tired and exhausted. Your brain can't handle it. I'm gonna go a step further. I think it is absolutely insane, and I chose that word carefully, insane for parents to allow their teenagers to have social media accounts. Insane. And you can ask my children, my son didn't get it until he was 18. I figure if he was old enough to vote, he's old enough to tweet. But before that, he's too dumb. You wanna know why? Listen to me. I can show you study after study after study after study that has now come out that has shown how that stuff has rewired your kids' brains. 
You wanna know why the drinking age is 21? It's not that after 21, you suddenly become less of an idiot. It's that your brain's still developing until that time. And we know that the presence of alcohol destroys brain development. That's why we know if a parent drinks when, when a mother drinks when she's pregnant, we have fetal alcohol syndrome. It's killing their brains. I just heard on the radio this week, I kid you not, a lawsuit that a lawyer in South Carolina is putting together to sue Facebook and Instagram because of the devastating effects it has had on teenagers that have produced eating disorders, mental disorders, because they know how addictive it is. Again, if I love my children, and I do, I care more about their development than I do about them having these apps. And I'll fight them to the days that the cows come home. I don't know, I don't know, whatever you wanna say. Why? Because there's one thing that they should be doing that will change everything, and that's abiding in Jesus. But what are the things that are keeping us from abiding in Jesus? Us being so busy looking at what everybody else is saying and what everybody else is doing. I was listening to a podcast this last week and the guy called it, and he's not even a Christian, but he called it the never ending now. The problem with all of us is we're never reading anything that's more than 24 hours old. And don't you think that's gonna have a different effect on your life than reading something that's over 2,000 years old? Because this thing that's over 2,000 years old is eternal. It will bear fruit in your life in every age. But that viral cat video, it's not gonna bear fruit in any age. Because it's not eternal. Look at verse six. This, you wanna... This is when people are like, oh, pastor, you're getting them today. <laughs> you don't want to know why I'm coming after you? Look at verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But verse seven, a different if. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. See, did you see? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. The reason why I said it's insane for parents to allow children to have social media apps before 18, I think it's insane. It's because their heart has an eternal destiny. And I don't know about you, but I don't let some crackpot mess with my kid's heart. I will go after my kid's heart with all I got. And if my kid's affections and their loves are not centered on Jesus, then I'll kill myself working so hard to try to make sure that it is because I don't want them to die eternally without Jesus. And it just is crazy to me how we allow our kids to think that sports are their futures. My kids never missed any sustainable time of church because of sports. And my kid's a college athlete. My kids will never miss any sustainable time for any other event, whether it be band, sports, theater, anything. 
Because nothing is more important than Jesus. It's eternal, man. There's two ifs. If you don't abide, you're cut off. But if you do, the Father will give you everything that you need to grow. Why? Verse eight, and we're done. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, the reason why God is so involved in this process is because it glorifies him and the power of his son when those are connected to his son have fruit. It shows that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was effectual. What that means is it affects everything. And the father is out for one thing, to show that his death, burial, and resurrection of his son affects everything. That's why the one thing that matters more than anything, and you heard it on the student video, is what are you gonna do with Jesus? But if you'll abide in Jesus, you'll bear fruit and you'll prove that you're his disciples. But it's real hard to abide in Jesus when we're so busy. Now we'll continue this next week and I'll give you some handles on how to abide. So this is the ultimate cliffhanger. You gotta come back next week for the rest. But what you need to know this week is if you abide in him, you will bear fruit. But if you don't, you'll be burned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. That Jesus is the source, the source of life, everything good that we want. Health, wholeness, growth, change, transformation. It all comes from him. And so God, if we'll just abide in him, connect him, trust him, love him, he'll grow all these things. And you will be so intimately involved in the process that you'll prune what needs to be pruned, you'll cut away what needs to be cut away so that your bride, your body, Georgia, will be beautiful. But God, we know there are people here today who have not trusted Jesus. And so I pray right now, Father, that they would trust him, connect to him for the very first time and be saved. No one looking around or talking here as we close. If you've never trusted in Jesus, then today can be that day where you're enrolled because now you're in a relationship so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and it's just simply a prayer of confession. There's nothing magical about it. It's just I'm introducing you to my father. But you don't have to do it out loud, but you can pray this if you wanna trust Jesus. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son in my place for my sin. He took the claims that the devil had on me and he nailed them to the cross forgiving them. And then he rose again, proving that he is life. So I'm trusting in him to save me. Would you forgive me? Thank you for loving me. Now, if you're here in one of our physical locations and you just prayed to trust Jesus, would you just simply lift up your hand so we can see that? We got men and women in our campuses, they're going to walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. 
In a moment, whether you're online or in person, you can fill out the connection card, let us know who you are. But then those of us who have trusted Jesus, listen, I understand I have said some things that are hard. And they are hard for me. There's so many things in my life that keep me busy from doing the one thing that would change everything, which is just spending time with Jesus. So I don't know what that is for you, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, then I would listen. And maybe it is social media. Maybe as a parent, you never thought about this before as it comes to your children. That's all right. But you need to get involved and you need to take some steps and you need to protect their hearts. Because listen, just like the branches think that what the Father is doing is violent, it was necessary to bring about growth. And so these things may seem violent, may seem drastic, but I promise you, God will bring growth if you do them. Father, help us to do the one thing that changes everything, that's abide in Jesus, because we know if we do, you'll grow fruit in us, and that's what we want. We want a return, we want results, we want our character, our lives to grow and be fruitful and bless those around us. But God, none of that can happen if we don't stay connected to you. So we ask you, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help us to do that. Amen.